The Daily Rios, for December 10th, 2012. It's the return of Musical Monday with Dames at Sea. We've got a flock of cuties in every port And overflow of beauties, we're never short Of women young and old, we know every sort But Dames at Sea that time of scotch last week, I stumbled and fell. My sweetie in Paris, a swell of a bell. When the ocean's raging, we miss like hell. Ah, dames at sea, such memories. Okay, I know it's been a while since I last dropped one of these Musical Monday episodes. For those that haven't heard any of the previous installments, this is basically an ongoing retrospective of the various shows I've worked on in chronological order as a way to celebrate what is my 25th anniversary in this uh, crazy world of theater. Uh, That would be this year. Obviously, since this is only my fourth episode in this series, and we need to span the years of 1987 through 2012 to actually cover the 25 years, we'll be spilling over into 2013. So, Dames at Sea, summer of 1988 fourth theatrical production I was involved with in Reading, PA. This was a summer venture, directed, choreographed, produced, and just about everything else by Kenny, who was the choreographer of Once Upon a Mattress, which was my first official show, and who was also the director-choreographer for Little Mary Sunshine, which was my second show, both of which I covered in previous episodes. So what is Dames at Sea? Line that stairway will soar up to the high with Times Square as our free from careway. One of the sights, our names up in lights. With book and lyrics by George Hampson and Robin Miller, and music by Jim Wise, this small musical is a parody of 1930s Busby Berkeley style movies, especially the plots and especially the movie musicals in which an understudy steps into a role of a lifetime on Broadway for one reason or another and becomes a star, obviously 42nd Street being perhaps the most famous of that. The synopsis of Dames at Sea is as follows. In the early 1930s, a Broadway musical is in rehearsal. Mona Kent is its temperamental diva star. Joan is a wisecracking chorus girl. And Hennessy is the producer, manager, director. The naive Ruby arrives from Utah with nothing but tap shoes in her suitcase and a prayer in her heart determined to be a Broadway star. She promptly faints into the arms of Dick, a sailor and aspiring songwriter. Ruby gets a job in the chorus, but Hennessy informs the cast that the theater must be torn down and they must find another place for the show. Dick and Lucky, another sailor and Joan's former boyfriend, persuade their captain to volunteer the use of their ship. Mona recognizes the captain as a former boyfriend. When Mona kisses Dick to persuade him to give her one of his songs, Ruby sees and is heartbroken. Dick explains the misunderstanding and the couple make up. While rehearsing on the actual ship, Mona becomes seasick, and of course Ruby steps in to save the show and becomes a star. The three couples decide to marry, and we live happily ever after. It originally played off-off-Broadway in 1966 in a small coffee house. Uh, performance space in New York City's Greenwich Village, where it continued for 148 performances, starring at that time newcomer Bernadette Peters. Do we all know who she is? 
If not, here's a clip of her in a movie you might have seen. There's plenty of places I can go where people believe in me. Well, go! The sooner you're out of my life, the sooner I can go back to being the girl in this little flower dress that you sang the service song to. Well, I'm gonna go then! <laughs> and I don't need any of this! I don't need this stuff! And I don't need you! I don't need anything! Except this! That was a clip from the movie The Jerk with Steve Martin. Just a funny, fantastic, satirical movie. And probably one of the funniest scenes in the movie in that clip. So now, if you know who she is, here's Bernadette Peters in Dames at Sea. Dear Mr. Roosevelt, please let me say, I think your navy's just great. Tell Mrs. Roosevelt, this is my day, for I just... to sleep each night I used to pray the only boy for me would someday come my way now that he's here I'll love and honor and obey the sailor of my dreams this is definitely one of those scenarios where you can say art imitates life imitates art because Bernadette was cast after the the original actress who was to play Ruby withdrew during rehearsals. It became a big hit off-off-Broadway, so they moved it to a couple theaters during its run throughout uh, 66 and 68 and 69, and it would run eventually run for a total of 575 performances through 1970. And many times when it moved, it would, uh, Bernadette Peters was still in the lead role of Ruby. It is definitely a spoof on musicals and movie musicals, uh, the, the two main characters, Dick and Ruby, those names are pulled right from uh, leading song man Dick Powell and leading song woman, song and dance woman, Ruby Keeler. Ruby Keeler actually was in the, the original 42nd Street movie. So is Dick Powell, actually. Uh, and, and alongside Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers and many other song and dance leads of those movies, uh, Dick Powell and Ruby Keeler are right there among them. Apparently, there was also a 1971 production on TV, which there is a clip you can find on YouTube starring Anne Margaret as Ruby and Fred Gwynn as Hennessy. You might know Fred Gwynn as uh, Herman, Herman Munster. Anne Mira as Joan. Anne Mira being uh, a comedian and also the mother of Ben Stiller. And Anne Miller as Mona, which is kind of funny because Mona is supposed to be Normally, when the diva actresses in these in these kind of productions, 
they're, they can sing, they can kind of act, but they can't really dance. Well, obviously, Ann Miller can dance. She can dance very well. So that's kind of an interesting casting there. Uh, go on YouTube. You can find a couple clips of Dames at Sea on TV. Some other actors that appeared in the show over the years, Steve Elmore played the director and the captain in the way the show runs in the first act. Whoever plays the director, Hennessy, in the first act, he plays the captain in the second act. Steve Elmore, not well, super well known. He was in the original company, Stephen Sondheim's company. He was he was in the movie All That Jazz by uh, Bob Fosse. And I actually worked with Steve Elmore. He played Julian Marsh in 42nd Street at Muhlenberg Summer Theater, uh, Muhlenberg College Summer Theater in the summer of 96. It was the first professional show I worked on outside of college. And he played the lead role of Julian Marsh. And I played Andy Lee, which is the choreographer in 42nd Street. So we actually worked uh, in a few scenes together, a bunch of scenes together. And it was really cool to hear the history of some of the shows he's been in and uh, some of the people he's worked with over the years. So that was uh, that was a nice treat. Um, also, taking over the role of Ruby early on, uh, Bonnie Franklin. You might remember her from One Day at a Time. I'm dating myself. And also Pia Sidora. She uh, was... Play, she played Ruby as well. On the sweet salt of the mess hall, I'm a true blue jacket to behold. I'm the star tar, I'm the tar star of the navy blue and gold. So what do I remember about this show? What do I like about this show? I, I like the show because it's six people. It's very small. And it re- helps to really showcase the talents of those six people. And it and it follows the structure, right? You have Dick and Ruby are your leading romantic song and dance couple. You have Lucky and Joan, the middle couple. And they are your comedy duo. And then you have Mona and Hennessy, or Mona and the captain. They're the older couple. And, and they're supposed to bring a certain gravitas, I guess, to, to the show. Um, yes, it's done with six people, very minimal set but a lot of heart, a lot of song, a lot of dance. It has been done with more than six people. You can do it with a chorus if you want. Um, They would play backup singer-dancers to Mona, other characters in other songs um, during the the show that they're putting on on the ship. But I I tend to like it as just the six. It keeps it small, keeps it um, nice and sweet. And it worked in what we wanted to do with it because Kenny was, was, we put it on at a, um, I guess it was for like a playground association. Uh, there's a place called Third and Spruce. It was this awesome community, community playground. It had racquetball courts and a track and it had these awesome big giant jungle gyms, what seemed like big jungle gyms to me at the time. Uh, so he, he did it with one of those associations and we decided to then tour it because it was small enough to, to do so, to retirement homes, to churches, to some state parks and things like that. Um, it wasn't always, it, it didn't always go over so well. I can remember at, at one state park, one of, part of the set actually falling down. Because it's a traveling set, you sort of had to build it in a way that it can stand free and um, be easy to take in and out and support on its own, and one of the flats just fell crazy. Um, but it is a great show for a small budget 
the first act is very much similar to 42nd Street. The second act is kind of reminiscent of Anything Goes. Uh, it is good for a small black box theater or if you have a small community theater. On a professional level, it's good if you just have a, th- a theater that maybe doesn't have a lot of wing space, fly space, and can't handle a big cast on a stage. And I have to imagine the rights are probably cheap for the show as well. And it's three guys, three girls, which is always kind of fun. So if anybody out there actually does theater or puts on theater, this is a good show to do for all of those reasons. Darling, don't tell me I'm dreaming. Why not just say yes and agree that something about you is something for me? When I did the show, I played Dick, so I was the song and dance man. Uh, had some tap numbers, some song numbers, some comedy things here and there. And it was kind of funny. The girl playing Ruby and the girl playing Mona, she was actually younger. They both were... Uh, Ruby was a little older than me. Mona was a little younger than me, actually. But she had a very good voice. Um, I actually wound up kind of... This is this is what I remember from the show, right? How, how tacky am I? That I actually wound up dating both of them kind of at the same time. Like... I'm talking, move, walking out of a movie theater holding both their hands. Um, yeah, it was really strange. But it was a lot of fun, right? Um, I can remember striking the set or moving the set and kissing one of them upstairs and kissing another one downstairs. It was really bad. But uh, a, a very fun show. Very fun show. Uh, some great memories um, of the show, of putting it on. And I think I have a video of it somewhere. So I'll have to find that and I have to save all my videos that I have because I really don't want to lose them, put them on some uh, DVDs or get them on my computer so uh, I'll have them forever. But Tames at Sea, uh, fun show. And the show that would forever put Bernadette Peters on the map and she would go on to do so many things. Um, she was a, she worked with Sondheim a lot during uh, Sunday in the Park with George and Into the Woods. She was uh, recently on Broadway with, uh, well, she did a turn with Annie Get Your Gun, but then she also did Gypsy as uh, uh, Mama Rose, the part that Ethel Merman made famous. And I I don't know if she necessarily fit that uh, too well, but she did pretty good. Um, And like I said, she was in the movie The Jerk with Steve Martin. She was also in Pennies from Heaven with Steve Martin. And she's done commercials and other TV and guest spots and movie spots here and there. Um, I like her. I like her voice. I like her character. Uh, She certainly has a legacy on Broadway. And this is the show that set her on that track. Les Miserables, the movie, coming out on Christmas Day. And just watching several of these clips, I was trying to find one of the trailers to play for this episode, and I just had my nose running. I, I ah, This movie's... I'm going to be a mess watching this movie. Whether it's bad or good, I don't really care. I know I'm going to be a mess. I'm going to have to bring tissues. Les Mis was the first Broadway show I ever saw, so it always kind of holds favor for me. Even when it's bad, (laughs) 
And uh, if you don't know Les Mis, it's based on the Victor Hugo book. Victor Hugo uh, was the author who also wrote Hunchback of Notre Dame. And this was a musical, uh, a book that was turned into a musical in Europe. And it was one of the first what they call mega musicals. And by that I mean mostly all sung with a slight pop sensation to it, pop influence, with a scope that was huge, not only in terms of the emotion of the characters, but maybe the sets as well. Les Mis, the big thing most people know about Les Mis is uh, the big giant barricade set. Another mega musical is Phantom of, the, Phantom of the Opera, and the big spectacle was the dropping of the chandelier over the audience, and then yet another mega musical, Miss Saigon, and the big spectacle of that was the helicopter, the fake helicopter that they landed on stage. There were certainly musicals before all of these that were all sung, a lot of the rock operas and things like that. I sort of think that mega musical comes from, if you look at the history of musical theater, you had operas, which were all sung and highly dramatic, but then you had what was called operettas, and these were softer in tone, lighter in tone than operas, and and they could be a little more funny, right? They didn't have to be so heavy. And out of these operettas came musical comedies. And if you put musical comedies in the middle of operas and mega musicals, you would have operas, operettas, musical comedies. Eventually, musical comedies would give way to musical theater. Musical comedies, think of, think of the lighter vaudeville shows, um, a lot of song and dance shows uh, when Broadway was just sort of uh, in its stride and in the early um, 20th century musical theater, now you're getting into shows that, yes, yeah, still have music, still have song, might have dance, but tell a little more of a story, or maybe get, uh, maybe have a little more drama to them. And then, if musical comedy is in, in the middle, operetta and musical theater on either sides, opera on, all the way on the one side, then I think you would have a mega musical all the way on the other side, on the musical theater side. Because they're usually really dramatic, overly dramatic. They're almost like opera. Think of Phantom of the Opera. That that plays out like an opera. Everything's sung. Everything is to the highest level. And that's kind of where you get a mega, mega musical, right? It's for the masses to enjoy. Um, they usually do very well on Broadway. Outside of the ones I listed, Miss Saigon, Les Mis, Phantom of the Opera, um, I know there's other ones, but uh, those three are usually the B's. So Lame is the movie, has a lot riding on it. I don't know how well it'll do. Maybe it'll do well. Maybe all the big... I mean, Lame is itself, as a Broadway show, has a huge following. People will go all over to see it, whether it's on Broadway or not. So the movie might do well, or or maybe not. I've heard early buzz that it's kind of just okay. Uh, I'm still looking forward to seeing it. It's, it. It should be fine. And I'm, I might talk a little bit about it on the show. It's interesting that it's coming out Christmas Day because it's not a cheery movie at all. It's not a cheery story. I don't know if anybody's read the book. I read the book. I read the unabridged book. It is difficult to get through. There are chapters and chapters of of a church's budget. There's a chapter on the beads that a factory makes that uh, the character Jean Valjean owns. I think that I think he owns that factory. It's not until you get to sort of like the student revolution that it kind of picks up, but all the beginning stuff, whew, it can be a chore to get through. But it's not a happy... Sh- I mean, it, I mean, it has some message to it, and there's some spirit to it, but it's kind of depressing. So to come out on Christmas Day, that's kind of interesting. 
All right, so that's your episode for today. That's your Musical Monday for today. I also wanted to give one recommendation. As I was looking through YouTube, I actually found two parts. They're about 50 to 60 minutes each that someone has uploaded of the 2005 original Broadway cast of Spamalot, which is a musical version of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And it's shot from somebody's seat. I don't know how much longer it'll be up. But it does feature the original cast, which includes Tim Curry, David Hyde Pierce, Hank Azaria. It's really funny. It's changed a little bit to match uh, what's going on on Broadway and to, and to get some funny jokes about that. But some of the classics are there. The Rabbit, Tim, the Knights of Knee, the rude Frenchman up on the wall. I mean, it's it's pretty much all there, and it's really funny. So if that's your thing, you wanna if you got a couple hours to spare, you can go check it out on YouTube. So that's it for today's episode of the Daily Rios. You can reach me at Peter at the Daily Rios. You can go check out the website at thedailyrios.com. And I'm going to leave you with another Bernadette Peters clip that I found while I was uh, searching YouTube. This one from The Muppets. And I think you'll recognize the song. And I think she may just be the first person to actually sing this with The Muppets, which is kind of cool. I never knew that before. All right. Talk to you tomorrow. Hello, Miss Peters. Oh, hello, Robin. I didn't see you. Eh, most people don't. Listen, I'm running away from home, but I, I did want to stop and say goodbye. Oh, you're running away from home? How come? Oh, because nobody notices me around here. Oh, really? I hadn't noticed. See? I mean, no one cares about a six-ounce frog. Robin, you've got to believe in yourself. If just one person believes in you, Deep enough and strong enough believes in you. Hard enough and long enough before you knew it. Someone else would think if he can do it, I can do it. Making it to whole people who believe in you. Deep enough and strong enough believe in you. Hard enough and long enough. There's bound to be some other person who believes in making it a threesome. Making it three. People, you can say.